Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome to We're Listening to Podcast, a community where all voices are heard. I'm your host, Rob Cook. Join me for a lighthearted show about the human experience with live conversations, discussions, and interviews of some of the newest to the most established 3P practitioners from all over the world. So no matter if you've known the three principles for years or you're new to Daily Insights, we hope each episode will inspire you to demonstrate a community where all voices are heard. Welcome to today's episode. Oh, everybody, it is a treat today. I have with me Jacqueline Hollows, a.k.a. Mama J. Uh, she is the founder of Beyond Recovery, which is a nonprofit organization whose mission is to really revolutionize the way addictions, mental health, and offending behaviors kind of viewed and treated. Beyond Recovery has the potential to reform the entire criminal justice system from the inside out. I love that. It nice. starts inside. You're also an author of, of research papers with evidence proving Beyond Recovery's approach. And you write a regular column for a prison newspaper, The Inside Time, which has a circulation of about 60,000. You're passionate, obviously, about uncovering the potential in people who've been marginalized um, and eliminating that stigma um, humans' behavior suffer as a result of mental health issues. Um, you have an upcoming book, The Keymaker, Stories of Transformation and What They Mean for Humanity. And you chart your own journey from trauma-filled childhood to becoming a pioneer in the world of prison reform. Beyond recovery, like just talk about it, just go for <laughs> it, man. That program is so amazing. Thank you. Um, well, my background wasn't in this field at all, and um, but I was, you know, I had a I had a journey around the three principles, which was okay. an up and down journey, um, and then. Beyond Recovery was was born from an insight, um, but I I started volunteering to work with people with addictions and had been in prison, and um, after you know a while of working with those guys, I I just loved them. I just thought <laughs> they were so amazing, yeah. and I could see that they didn't think that they were amazing, and I, I was like really like they can't see their own amazingness. Somebody yeah. needs to do something about this. And um, I could also see that there was a, a fair amount of stigma, um, both outside in the world and also within the, their own selves. You know, they, they felt stigmatized mm -hmm. and marginalized. So I kept thinking, somebody needs to do something about this. Somebody needs to do something about this. And then I thought, oh, maybe it's me. <laughs> 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 um, and then I, I started the journey of trying to work with different agencies and so on. And then I was, I was really lucky. A load of serendipitous events happened all at once where I ended up pitching to a substance misuse service in a prison. And um, as it happened, there was an underspend in the local authority and they were looking for a 12-month program and i didn't know any of that when i went in there i just thought they were going to have a like a pilot 12-week program wow and I, 
I'd never run a group before. I didn't even have a Beyond Recovery organization at that point. I was just fishing around, you know, trying to see who would be interested in a new approach. Mm-hmm. And, and they were interested, um, but they wanted me to evidence the impact. And um, again, I, was, um, I have a little bit of statistical research in my background. And so I was like, yep, no worries. I can create a research protocol and so on. Um, but I'd, uh, I was friends with Dr. Jack Pranksky and I mentioned it to him and he said, oh yeah, you know, I'll help you with that. So I I, like, uh, Jack Pranksky and Linda Ramos and Tom Kelly all offered to help me and they, you know, put, help me put together the research protocol. Um, and then they wrote, helped write the paper as well. Tom Kelly in particular wrote, wrote a lot of it, Professor Tom Kelly. So uh, that's how we got started uh, working, in, working in a prison. And uh, actually, I'll tell you the truth, Rob. I, I, the first day I thought, what the hell am I doing here? <laughs> <laughs> that was actually my question. That yeah. was actually my question of, I get... I get having the idea, but when it start coming to, you had to walk inside of a prison, right? Going against all of the stigmas, the, the narratives, one of the most dangerous places you could probably ever be, like you still had to face that. Yeah. So yeah. can you just for a minute, kind of shape that for me, that, that first experience and when you kind of knew, when you yeah. settled in, Oh, I'm, I'm right where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. Well, um, there was a lot of pre-work, a lot of training and um, induction, you know, and, and, and the prison system, quite rightly, um, train you um, what, it, what to do if you're taken hostage, mm-hmm. um, what to do if you see somebody who's trying to take their own life in their cell. Um, you know, they show you all the things that people have made, the shanks and the, and the, the various things out of pens. So they take your panic up to a level 10. Uh, you already had a level, so they just take it up a notch. Got it. Absolutely. That's how they train you. Send you yeah, in there. That's their how tents. they train you. So, and um, and they're, they're, they're quite intimidating, um, you know, buildings and places just by the, the makeup of them, people walking around in uniforms and all these tools on their belts and, yeah. you know, um, so, yeah, so I, I it, it took six months to get all the training in and get vetted and, and, and everything. And on my first day, just before my first day, I mean, I, I'm embarrassed to say that there's about a mile between the gatehouse where you walk in and uh, the place where we were teaching. And um, for the first time I was let out of the building cause I had keys and everything. And, th- and they said, oh yeah, bye, see you tomorrow, the staff. And there was no one about, there were no guys. <laughs> and I ran from the building <laughs> to the gate because I was like, oh, I'm on my own, what's gonna happen? And I ran. And I got out of the gate and I thought, what are you doing? You're going to work here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But on the, I was very, again, very fortunate. On the first day, uh, I was all ready. A group, you know, group room was ready. 
and the group room is on the wing of the prison so where the men live and you know sleep okay. and, and everything else in the corner and you, you know i have a clipboard that tells me all the people that are going to be in my group that day and and the rule is no one is allowed in the group who uh, isn't on that clipboard and um uh, we were given like coffee and and tea and and, and biscuits. Uh, yeah. And so we had a lot of attention. yes, a lot of people show up for that. Yes. <laughs> that weekend, there'd been an incident, and the men had been locked up all weekend. So they they were agitated by Monday morning, and they were uh, rattling the cups against the cell doors, and. I, I just stood there completely petrified thinking, this is like the TV, like, <laughs> it's going to be a riot, you know. And I'm, I'm Maybe these there. stigmas are real, right? Like, I, can, I can understand it at that point, yeah. And when did it change, things, though? Well, one of the things we had to do is we had to bring in an overnight bag of toothpaste and stuff in case we had to stay overnight in case there was a, a lockdown. <laughs> so I was, like, my imagination was going wild. <laughs> Anyway, um, this, uh, this guy came up to me and a uh, big, big guy, tattoos on his neck, shaven, um, to me, you know, looked like a prisoner to me. And, 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 he, and he's like, oh, can I, can I see the chicks? And um, in the UK, chicks is slang for females. And um, I said, I, I looked at my list and I said, Oh, um, you're not on my list. <laughs> and he said, I just want to see the chicks. Uh, I said, okay then. Because <laughs> I thought, what else am I going to say? You know, I'm not going to argue with him. And uh, he came into the room and I had my flip chart near the window and he moved the flip chart and I thought, is he going to stare at the women officers or something? Like, what, what's going on here? On the window ledge was a nest. And a dove had laid some eggs in the nest and he wanted to see the little chicks, see if they'd hatched. And, oh, wow. And, that, and, and he, he said they hadn't hatched. And he said, um, I, I'm out next week and I just wanted to see, you know, I wanted to see how they were doing. And what happened, Rob, was I was completely humbled. And I realized how much invisible thinking I had about the very yeah. people that I wanted to work with and the, the people that I'd, I'd really worked hard to get into that prison. And yet yeah. there were these layers of judgment and, you know, fear and insecurity. And um, I always say that he saved the program because of him. I was able to let those layers drop away. And, um, and then when the men came, you know, I just stopped being frightened then. I just thought, yeah. wow, this is just a human being. Like he was a big, scary looking guy. Yeah. And he, all he wanted to do was see if the chicks had hatched yet. I mean, oh my God. Wow. wow. But that would be for me, the, uh, a factor that goes, yeah. That, right that was it. I'm supposed to be, that yeah. Was it. I'm right where I'm and supposed I to be. I was right where, and, yeah. and I have never been in fear uh, since that day, you know, yeah. I, I absolutely saw the humanity of the people that I was working with uh, from from that moment. With from their moment, no. yeah. And then, okay, that's it. That's you're making this so easy for me, Mama Jay. That's the perfect <laughs> springboard 
into once that judgment dropped, what did you start to see as far as an evidence of impact? So they, they, they allow you in, they give you a program. How many prisoners you got? I mean, what's, what's happening now? So initially in the early days, it was no more than 15 in a room. Okay. Um, and it was a 10-week program, and they came once a week um, for the 10-week program. Uh, Sounds like hours. COVID protocols. No more than 15 in a room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> Except for there was definitely no social distancing. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're very close together. Um, I was naive and, and, you know, didn't really know what I was doing. I was doing the best I could and I, I just talked to them and, you know, brought diagrams and things. And what happened, the first thing was I realised that um, they were very suspicious. They were like, who's this woman? What's she got? Yeah, here's another professional coming to tell us how to change and, Blah, blah, blah. So I, I really quickly learned to say, look, you know, I don't care if you change or not. That's not what I'm here for. Yeah. Um, and I'm not going to tell you to stop selling drugs and I'm not going to tell you to, you know, do stop doing whatever you're doing. Like, I really don't care. I have no opinion about that. I just want to share something with you that could be useful that, that you already know, but you don't remember. And so they did get intrigued and... Yeah. They got curious because I, I didn't have a whole flip chart of let's do this and then let's do that and then let's do the other. You know, it was a, mm -hmm. it was a conversation and, uh, and I was really interested in them and I was listening to them and whatever they brought up, I would then, um, as Kathy Casey would say, I would back it into the principles. Yeah. You know, so they talked to me about a fight on the servery or, um, or a problem phone call with their missus or anything like this. And, and we'd, be, we'd discuss it as a group. And what started to happen, the magic, was that they started to teach themselves. So yeah. then the, the, they were, they, a man would come in and be saying, this has happened and that's happened and this has happened and he'd be all up in his head. And the other men would say, you're in your heads or you're stacking thought or you know like wow look at that look what happens when we when we get you know when we get all caught up in something and yeah they were taught teaching each other yeah and, and teaching the room themselves so that was magical um and um the interesting part was at the very beginning they didn't want to do any of the research they were really moaned about filling out the paperwork and at the end they wanted to help. They wanted to fill out the paperwork. Yeah. They were dragging other people into the room. They were asking me, can we teach the officers? <laughs> can you teach my wife? You yeah. know, in the chapel. And he just said, I've heard it all. I've seen it all. You know, just don't even, I don't want to know. And um, I said, that's fine. Absolutely fine. Are you willing to just stay in here and, and have some quiet. And he, and he said, yeah, all right then. On a life sentence. Life sentence, okay. He should have, he should have got parole uh, 11 years uh, after he served 11 years. Okay. But, but he was so naughty in prison that he just kept getting more time added, more time added, okay. more time added. So basically he was someone that was viewed with, was never going to get out. He was institutionalized and he was he was going to be there forever wow um 
So, you know, he, he'd seen and done it all. And I was working with, because we run practitioner programs and we were training some of the guys inside to become practitioners. And a couple of my guys were at the front, you know, so they were taking the class that day. And um, I said, you know, do you, you know, would you stay and just get some quiet? And he said, yeah, all right. And then he heard this other guy talking and he was blown away. And he was like, hang on, this is, this is one of us. Like, yeah. it's all right, she's saying it, but this is one of us, like what's going on? And it confused him. And by the end of the day, he started pouring out, you know, like all sorts of personal things, even crying, which he'd never, ever done. Um, and the next day he got into trouble before he uh, came to group. And normally then they get banned from coming to the group. But the officer on the wing said, uh, no, you need that group. I can, I can see already you've changed to one day, like two sessions. Wow. And, and sent him, instead of sending him to the block, sent him to the group. Um, and then Bravo to the cop. But bravo, bravo to indeed, the cop, yeah, indeed. for seeing that. And now he's in an open prison. He got uh, recategorized. So he's living in an open prison, which means that he can work on the outside and he can have contact with his family and wow. all sorts of things. And he, he met an officer who knew of him when he was at his worst uh, 11 years ago. And she saw him and she couldn't believe the change. And she said, what's happened? And then he, and she's been in touch with me and, and she said, he is just full of it. Like beyond recovery this and Jacqueline this. <laughs> and Mama Jay this. Evidence and, of impact. I love evidence it. Evidence of impact. So she said, Can you, would you carry on working with him? So we have monthly phone calls now and just, we just chat. We just have a conversation about how he's at, when he's struggling, when he, you know. Um, I've sent him, he asked for some books, listen to this. I said, is there anything you need? You know, can I, send, can I do anything for you? And he said, could I have some Sid books and Sid tapes? I really miss listening to, to Sid Banks. And so I've sent him some CDs and uh, The Missing Link. He wanted a copy of The Missing Link. So I'm like, wow. this guy, is like, that's what he wants. I ask him, how can I help you? That's what he wants. Yeah, it sounds Amazing. almost identical to the guy who just wanted to see the chickens hatch. Yeah. Like when you, when you really think about that, yeah. like with what they're facing, this guy only did want to see chickens hatch and this guy just, like you ask him, what can I do for you? Yeah. And of all the things he probably could have asked, he said, send me some Sid tapes. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what, Robert, it was really humbling when, um, I ran a free principal seminar in the jail, in the prison, mm -hmm. um, and the guys ran it. So we had 12 guys and, um, you know, we did some prep and, and everything else. And then I invited 30 members of the public and the public came into the chapel and the guys ran a free principals conference for a day. Um, and it, they'd never even been to a conference. They didn't even know what a conference was, you know, or, um, an agenda or any of these things anyway they were absolutely amazing and they ran it all they hosted it they were they were they were just brilliant and that and at the end of the day they said you know we'll answer any questions and so the public were asking them questions and 
they asked all these questions and then somebody said in the audience what can we do for you and um, the guy who was hosting it said um, more Sid books just send us in more Sid books that's what you wow. can do for us. I know I know so they know you know like they they hear Sid and their lives change and um sometimes they say why didn't you just put him on at the beginning like do you understand <laughs> what it is <laughs> that is so funny uh, amazing so we started running some immersions and um the results were higher from the immersions that was in the second year and then we started working in a, a sex offenders prison okay. and same again we did immersions and we had uh, really good results from, from that. Higher. that paper's just been uh, published so for it it appeared uh that an immersion has more impact and our sort of what we thought about that was that because they have like less time to get into their into their old habits of thinking you know they were like they'd have a session they'd have overnight they'd have a session they'd have a say you know in the morning they had yeah. they have another session they'd have overnight they'd have another session so they'd have two or possibly four sleeps because lots of them uh were sleep during the lunchtime and the sleeping is where a lot of the processing uh, yeah, <laughs> went absolutely. on, right? Yeah. Um, so that's what we were finding. I have to say, uh, since then, and we'll probably come on to this, but we're not allowed to go into prison right now and run those groups. And I'm having to do very sort of small drip drip. Um, and I'm getting the same impact. So mm, I, I, okay. I think a little actually goes a long way. Yeah. But for um, for a sort of deeper, more sustained impact, you you probably want you know want to want to see those immersions happening because most of those men then wanted to come back and wanted to do more groups. They wanted so. to come back and do more. Yeah. I love yeah. that. So you're doing a lot of virtual programs. Uh, right now, um, the prison system in the UK is archaic, so no virtual programs we're doing um, a paper-based distance learning program okay um that's what we've had to pivot to since covid um we've been into i can go into physically into one prison although even that's been shut now um where we've been mentoring the peer mentors so the men get the workbooks in the cell we've got okay. some dvds that go with that and uh, they work through it on their own or with a peer mentor and then we evaluate. Um, but even that is, is working incredibly well on the small numbers that we've worked with so far. Um, I, mean, I mean, like for instance, somebody was on hunger strike for 15 days and of course he can't do an in-cell workbook, um, but just going to see him once a week over a period of like six, seven, eight weeks, um, he started to um, recover. Other people were working with him as well, not just us, obviously. Um, wow. And now he's got a job in the prison. He's doing really well. He's big, uh -huh. you, know, you know, so a little does go a long way. Wow. <laughs> where, where would someone help you? Where would, where would somebody 
find you to reach out with with anything i mean what do you need like if you could just like wow i'm, I'm saying with my mouth open but like if they wanted to find you and really help and and connect with beyond recovery what would they do that at? um so if you google jacqueline hollows i'm usually on on the first page so you can probably just find me like that but we have um because some of the men that were in prison now work with Beyond Recovery and they're directors okay. of Beyond Recovery. Oh, that's beautiful. So, um, yeah, Derek and Omar are, um, you know, part of the team now. We have some links, I think, also we're at. Um, but when you said your name, it, it made me laugh because you are absolutely right. Your name is not Mama J. It's Jacqueline Hall. <laughs> but we call you Mama J. And I like, just tell me, where did that come from? Like, where, where did the Mama J come from? So we were doing a project in uh, Nottingham Prison uh, in the north of the UK. And um, three of the boys came to work uh, up there and, and run the program. And the whole team went out for a meal um, and it was in the beginning of March last year, just before lockdown um, and near to Mother's Day. So there were there were windows with I love mom in the window and things like this. And what one of our uh, boys, Chris, uh, they call themselves the Avengers and um, they saw this and they said, it's you, your Mama Jay. And then they just all started calling me Mama Jay. And my husband, uh, his name, oh, my name is Hollows, obviously. And uh -huh. my husband's Hollows. And they call him Papa H or Papa Hollows. I love it. <laughs> Papa Hollows and Mama Jay. Changing lives, uh, showing evidence of impact with this work in the three principles. Um, wow. Wow. Have you heard of the hero's journey? The hero's journey, yes. Yeah, so yeah. I think of myself and the boys as the heroes on our, on our journeys, yeah. right? And, um, and for me, you know, going into the prison and uh, really, really waking up myself to um, other people and, and what's going on in, in the world um, and, then, and then coming back out again at the end of COVID and going, wow you know like this is a this is an incredible thing that i want to share with the world these are incredible people that have such a lot to offer and uh they're so creative and and incredible i wanted to write about them so i've written the book, I love the book's that. finished and it, it will hopefully it will come out next this year um, wow. i'm writing i do some other projects as well so i have got a book being published in february which is a collaboration uh, which is more about my writing and, and things. But yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to that coming out. And Ladies and gentlemen, Mama J. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to today's episode. For more information about the podcast, please go to 3pgc.org. If you're looking for more information about how to become a practitioner or you want to be featured on the show as a new, fresh voice in the principles, Send us an email at info at 3pgc.org. We'd love to hear from you. Knowing there is no end or limitation, nor are there boundaries to the human mind, have the day you deserve.